then the just are living by faith. Then the just are living by faith. And the faith is energizing God and not ourselves. Then he goes on, and we can say, applying all diligence, then we get to the place, the good place, the godly place, where we can see these qualities becoming active in our lives, the ones that I just read. Hello, my brothers in the faith, dear listeners. You are listening to the podcast that they might know with uh, your host, Joe Durso. That's me. And I'll be alone today in this episode uh, entitled Holy Discipline. Something that's been laid on my heart for quite a few years. And it's, it's about this pendulum swing that there always is in the church between let go and let God, which was really big when I was an, an infant in the faith. And, uh, and today which is due to disciplines. You know, you got to be there. I mean, it has to be you. And, you know, there's, there's truth in both sides, obviously. Um, and I'm not taking up, uh, uh, exception with um, those elements of the Christian walk. And I am particularly want to stay in, state right in the front at the beginning here that I am not saying that there aren't a means uh, by which God advances the church, uh, proclaims the gospel, the term means of grace, if taken the right way, and I hope that'll come out in this lesson, uh, is a good thing. But, uh, like in everything, we, we fight against, we war against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, and powers of darkness over this darkness of this world. And so error can creep in very easily if we're not close to the scriptures to understand biblically what God means when he created in the, in the church, in the world, you know, means by which he acts. Do we pray? Yes, we, we pray because we believe in the sovereignty of God if we do correctly. You know, men have been taken off track in thinking prayer isn't, as necessary as it is, because it's a means. Uh, but I want to set an order here, the rightful place between means of grace, uh, between uh, let go and let God, and on the other hand, uh, do digil- uh, vigilance in discipline. Or discipline. So I'm going to make some opening statements here, uh, think about them, consider them, uh, and, and understand that I'm basing... On the scripture, we'll be looking in Second Peter chapter 1, uh, but w- these opening statements I, I believe to be true, and you, te- you put them to the test. So number one, discipline is valuable in the world. Discipline is valuable in the world. Men, really, their lives are much better when they are highly disciplined individuals, when they're able to put in order uh, their priorities. And that's how men succeed in life. A disciplined person can't accomplish much. Except a person energized from the flesh not produce holiness. Get that? A person energized from the flesh cannot produce holiness. Only God is holy. And only God can impart holiness. 
very important. To experience holy discipline, a person must be energized by God. This is, the, this is where I want us to land in the beginning. And the scripture for that is Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. The desire of the flesh, you know, we, we, that goes in all kinds of directions, but it's sinful when carried out to its, its ultimate end. We're not to be carried along by the flesh, but we're to walk by the Spirit. And this is the basis of this holiness that I'm talking about, walking in the Spirit. I'm not being some charismatic crazy now, I'm being biblical. And, you know, God bless all the charismatics, anyone who might listen, I love you too. And, and if you're in the faith, if you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, if you are filled with the Spirit, like every true Christian, whether you're Baptist or charismatic, we're brothers. You know. But in every area of the church, there's room for error. And we, we need to humble ourselves and recognize that. It's not just what we see in others, but there's things in us. And, and we need accountability. Let me not get too far afield. Sixth statement. To be holy, one must be identified with Jesus Christ. To be holy, one must be identified with Jesus Christ. In Christianity, relationship is everything. Everything. Because Christianity without the experience of relationship is merely intellectual. And we uh, who are in the church have to go beyond being just intellectual. But the, the whole man needs to be walking after God. Those who seek me with all their heart, the Bible says, will find me. That, that includes emotions, and it includes the will, or the place where we make godly choices. Another statement. The person who knows Jesus Christ intimately, obtaining him through a vibrant prayer life, comes to know and believe the scriptures actively, not passively. Now see, there's a, there's a means there. Uh, it's prayer, and and that's why I'm saying I'm not dissing. I'm I'm not you know laying to the one side. The means God uses, if it's done in a holy way. So self control, i.e., discipline, is just one in a list of eight qualities produced by God in the life of a person that is connected to Jesus through God given faith. Discipline is just one in a list of eight qualities produced by God in the life of a person that is connected to Jesus through God-given faith. Now we're on the brink of reading through 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-11. through 11. If you want to see a holy discipline produced in your heart, then you must do it God's way and in the context that we find in the Scriptures. So that would bring us to, and I hope your Bible is open and if you can't, listen very carefully to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, I exhort you. I'm sorry, that's in 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this reason, also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, or discipline, that's added, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, that's a big, big mouthful, and I, I want to kind of unpack it a little bit at a time here. Um, and as we, as we get there, I want us to understand the impact of the opening paragraph. Before you get to the list of means that carry us on in the Christian life, which are meant to increase. Discipline is a very valuable quality. However, it only becomes holy when it is placed in, in energized through, flip, through faith. What then is the biblical faith that energizes self-control or discipline and, and all the characteristics, all the qualities named in 1 Peter chapter 1. Well, Peter begins with a proper view of himself. And the proper view is in, in, in verse 1. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus, he, uh, he acknowledges his rightful place before the, the Jesus Christ who he received as Lord, that's master. It's a slave-master relationship. So he acknowledges he's a slave. So Romans 6, 6, and 7 come to mind. For if we have become united with him in his likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Romans 6, 6, and 7. Now, we know that we're there's no perfection this side of heaven. But there is a real death that took place in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when he went on the cross. And by the power of his resurrection, he brings up people from the grave and he imparts to them that new, newness of life that's his alone. Having sat, been sacrificed for our sins, paid the penalty in full, our sins are wiped out judicially, uh, and then uh, we're given a new heart. Old things are passed away. Old things are becoming new. And so in this process of sanctification where we're not perfect, there's a real reality that took place 2,000 years ago. Now, 
we, the Christian, needs to uh, walk by faith in that reality. Even though he's not perfect, there's a, a real death. And there's a putting to death the slavery that we experience to sin in a, in a daily basis, on a daily basis, and uh, the slavery that we now enjoy in Jesus Christ. Because we're really set free to do what's right when we're slaves of Christ. So Peter continues with a proper perspective of faith. And he goes on and says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, there's a, a faith that's the same kind as the Apostle Peter, the same kind as the Apostles who were the foundation, the pillars of the church. And it's that faith that I'm talking about here. It's that faith that energizes, so to speak, the, the, the Holy Spirit in our lives by walking by that faith, that trust in God, that we're meant to walk. The just shall live by discipline. No. Uh, self-control. No. Uh, uh, godliness. All the characteristics mentioned there. None of them. None of those qualities are we ever mentioned that we should walk, that those, uh, as it says, the just shall live by faith. No. Faith in God places our our focus on the person of Jesus Christ, the person of God in the God in the person of Jesus Christ, and it's it's that faith through through which we God imparts in us holiness. So it is a faith faith that is first received from God, and that's what he says. He says to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. And it's that faith that we receive that is the ground, the, the, the first means, if you will, which is God-given. It begins by being given by God to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. By the righteousness of our God, of, uh, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. A faith the same or no different than the apostles. Received the righteousness of God. How, how God is Savior where no sin is swept under the rug, but God paid an awful price. So we, we receive the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, not of men, and we receive it. This is where it all begins in this paragraph, through faith. It is a faith that does not allow qualities essential to spiritual growth to be turned into dead works. There's three kinds of works in the Bible. There's good works, and those are the works that are created by God and imparted in us. Those good works, which are the, the result of God-given faith. There are evil works, and we, we don't have to go into that, what those are, the wickedness of the flesh. And then there's dead works, Hebrews chapter 6 and other passages which refer to works that are, they're good works in and of themselves, um, but they can be done in the flesh. I mean, you can love your family and your kids and your wife or your husband, and it's good, but, you know, your motives can be wrong. You can turn those relationships into idolatry. You know, you can do holy things in 
in, in good parts of life, in good acts, it can become idolatrous, and that's, those become dead works. So Peter further then continues by helping us to understand what must be multiplied first. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied. So we, we, he moves on from this uh, God-given faith, which in itself produces um, the righteousness and comes from, it's given with the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's seen as Savior from what? From the, the evil works, from dead works, um, and, and bringing us to really holy works. And then he goes on and says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Wait a minute, let's stop and think about this. So there's grace. There's nothing deserved in grace. By definition, grace gives us what we do not deserve. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So, so there you have it. It's, it's a matter of grace through faith and not of yourselves. This is the whole principle that I'm looking at this morning, that, uh, that it is the pendulum swinging from let go and let God to do the disciplines. The disciplines we need to do, the means that are there, but through a God-given faith. Faith, here, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Faith produces discipline. Discipline can never produce faith. I, I tell you from my heart, this is, this is true, that the Bible teaches this way. Holiness this way. Why faith? Now, let me repeat it again, because faith focuses on God. Discipline, you can focus on your own works. You can focus on your own good works that then become dead works because of pride. All that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the sinful pride of life that destroys good works and turns them into dead works because their eyes come off of Jesus and go on ourselves. Very bad. Very bad. Hebrews 4, 10, and 11. God's people must enter his rest, grace, to be God's grace. Must enter his rest for it to be of God's grace. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Now, this, this, these verses in Hebrews 4, 10, and 11, in context, kind of take us through what... Uh, we're trying to avoid in Peter's letter, which is running to the list of qualities, focusing on them without stopping and assimilating and dwell meditating upon the first paragraph, which focuses on God in Christ and brings about holiness before the list of do's and the qualities that, that are a means of grace. Grace and, and peace are multiplied when our Christian faith is first and foremost relational. 
Grace and peace are multiplied when our Christian faith is first and foremost relational. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. To you. Not the pastor, the elder, the shepherd, but to you. Peter's writing not to shepherds here. He's writing to the church. He's, he's writing to everyone who has received the spirit of the living God, who can walk by faith, and who already has God living within, who's there to make us holy. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christ did not suffer any less for any one of us than he did for the Charles Spurgeons and the George Whitfields. God blessed those gifts to the church. There's not that many in history compared to the multitudes of people saved throughout history for whom Christ paid the same price of suffering for every person's sins. So grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, he goes on and says. In the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God must be that knowledge that brings forth. It must be intimate knowledge. As Cain had had his wife and Joseph his wife in, in an intimate way, that intimate knowledge brought forth. It brought forth a child. It brought forth life. God wants to have intimacy with his children in a way that brings forth Christ. This is not mere intellectuality, it doesn't, which brings nothing forth but inflation. It puffs up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, I quote, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge, the apostle says, puffs up, but love builds up. This knowledge puffs up. What knowledge? Well, just, just knowledge about things. Anything you read through the Bible is, is knowledge. It's true knowledge. It's good knowledge. And we may have knowledge about food offered to idols. And, but just knowledge in and of itself only puffs up and inflates the mind, the ego, the pride of life. This knowledge puffs up. But love, this now we got into relationships, see? But love builds up. So knowledge without love puffs up or inflates. But love builds up. So look, when you're studying the scriptures, when you're reading, when you're praying, if you're going through the motions and it's intellectual exercise, it's just an exercise, but it's not out of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not personal, you're killing yourself spiritually killing yourself. You have to talk to God like you talk to another person. More intimately, actually. Open yourself up to God. Talk to God. Allow Him talk to you through the Scriptures. Understand the real and true nature of prayer. Godly men are men who understand prayer the way it's meant to be. If you're not praying where you're, you're coming to tears at times, where you just you start saying things and thinking things that are like they're not coming from you, they're coming from God. I mean, I don't know who's listening to this right now. If you're leaning too much towards emotions, or if you're leaning in your life too much towards intellect, but there's supposed to be a, a proper balance between the two. 
where you're giving your whole heart and your soul and your mind to God. What's the first great commandment? All your energy, all of it, to God. Let's say the apostle is saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We are coming to him because he is the source of life. He is the source of holiness. And we want intimacy with him. We want him to empower us. We want to walk in the spirit, his spirit. And that's why he says, divine power that has granted us everything through the true knowledge of him. What is granted to us? Everything, including discipline, the disciplined life, self-control, all of the qualities laid out in 2 Peter. Let me state them again. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. These qualities that are meant to grow and make expand us, they come from God. They don't come from within us. We have to receive them. Who called us to glory and excellence. We're called to glory. Glory is God's glory, not our glory. We have to share His. Therefore, we have to receive from Him. So in the end, He gets the glory and we share in His glory. He gets the praise. And we're the channel through which it flows. He's excellent, not us. Faith in precious and magnificent promises which make the Scriptures come alive. Where are we? We are in verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, what? These. These. His divine power pertaining to life, godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. By these, he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises. The New Testament is full of promises. He's never going to leave us, forsake us. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. On and on. They make books just of the promises. What are the promises growing out of? They're growing out of a a faith, a God-given faith, that then focuses on his divine power that has granted us everything. How many times do I need to say that one? It has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, this this is not works being built up, energized, manufactured in our flesh by ourselves. This is something God has done and is desiring to do. For by these he has granted us, granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, 
when we look at that verse and that section of that verse, partakers of the divine nature. This is where dead works that are energized in the flesh are put to death. And we are actually receiving the divine nature by which we, are, we, we have imparted within us a holiness that we then are energized to do, partake in the means of grace. You see, it's, 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 it's an oxymoron. You know, the means of grace. There's one means of grace, and it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, was he has done what he has accomplished and what he wants to then impart to us is himself. So that if I become, you become the, the channel by which God is creating holiness in our lives, and it's that holiness that reflects God properly and, and the world sees that it's not us, it's really him. And they see God and not us as, it's being, as he's being manifest in us. The burning bush from which the voice of God spoke. We're the burning bush, okay? We're meant to be burning with a passion for Jesus Christ, energized by the Holy Spirit or the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. Lust can be on dead works. It can be lusting after pride and uh, a name for ourselves. God help us that that isn't part of who we are or becoming. For this reason, apply all diligence in your faith. Now, for this reason is really what I've just been saying. When you get here, when you get to this place where prayer isn't a duty, it's a relationship. When, when prayer, the exercise of prayer, is more about being intimate with God and exercising God-given faith in order to see Jesus and not ourselves. When that takes place, then the just are living by faith. Then the just are living by faith. And the faith is energizing God and not ourselves. Then he goes on, and we can say, applying all diligence, then we get to the place, the good place, the godly place, where we can see these qualities becoming active in our lives, the ones that I just read. And these qualities are become a means because they're holy and they're energized by God. And then I'm going to go on. After naming the qualities, he says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These qualities, they, these things are being energized by God, are holy and they render us neither useless nor unfruitful. Why? Because the fruit is at that point of God. The fruit is God's fruit being brought about in our lives, even though we're doing these things. These things are not creating God in us. God is being created through faith so that we can do these things. It's a little bit of a twist from the way some in, in error uh, report the use of these things. Mm -hmm. They render us neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Astigmatism, either completely blind or just you can't see very far, is what he's saying. That's a word we get, stigmatism. Having forgotten his purification from his former sins. I think a person who's completely blind is lost. A person who's short-sighted is uh, the Christian who understands his beginning, understands he's in Christ, understands he's received Christ, understands things, but... He can get off track in error, it's particularly when you, when you become too passive, let go and let God, and you take that to a place it's not meant to go, or you become too oriented toward the disciplines as if it's something you have to create. In either one of those extremes, you can become short-sighted, you can be blinded, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Look, we're all sinners saved by grace. Apart from the life of God in us, we deserve hell. I know I do. And I would, I would go to hell for eternity if it were not for the grace of God in my life. If it was not that he chose me first. If it was not that I had been ordained from before the foundation of the world. And he did a work and he imparted faith that I now experience as God-given faith. And that faith, like the apostles, produces when I'm focusing on Jesus and not myself. And God is producing in me these qualities. And when I, you lose sight of what I'm talking about here today and you're walking in the flesh, it's very easy to be built up with pride. And that pride blinds, it short sights. Even though you hear the gospel, see, the gospel can be intellectual. But the heart, we, we are Christians, we focus on the heart. Oh, we should be focusing on the heart. That's why we go to the Lord's Supper, questioning our heart, our motives, which is impossible to really see because man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And God sees the motives. He sees the intent of our heart. What we can forget in the heart, the purification, I've been purified from our sins. This particularly for people in ministry, which all people, I'm meant to go into all the world and make disciples. Maybe not in exactly the same roles or the exactly the same way. Maybe we're not called to stand on a corner and preach the word or in a church building. But we're all meant to make disciples. Ladies, discipling ladies, uh, children have to kind of grow up. But, you know, even my son, when he was a teenager, he was discipling people. Young people can be like Daniels. Who, so, but there's, there's places, there's, there's uh, a limits and, and roles that we play. Therefore, brethren, he goes on in verse 10, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Christianity is not about intellectualism. It's not about gathering fa- facts that never become part of our Christian walk. How we act, how we live, what our attitude is, our, how we reflect God and what we say, the words we use, all of it is meant to be an outgrowth of our Christian faith and putting into practice. And when we practice these things, we will never stumble. That's what he's talking about. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. It'll be well done, good and faithful servant. It won't be the loss of who knows how many dead works and rewards. Not 
not dealing with sin at the bema seat of Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ. It's sins that were passed on Christ will never be brought to light again. That's done. But there's empty works. There's dead works. There's, you know, those things which wasted our time because we weren't focused on the Word of God the way we should be, and we got caught in errors. Uh, I, I want to make sure I'm painting a picture that it's not about sin. It's, it's hard to draw the line. But we understand that we can never, we would never uh, be brought up on sins that Jesus suffered for. At judgment, that's, that's done away with. We're clean. We're washed as clean as the driven snow. Cleaner, whiter than snow. In the sight of God, he sees Jesus Christ. He doesn't see us. All of that is washed away. But there's accounting, and the accounting is, is because we need to be diligent in the Word of God, and we need to decipher the Word of God, discern the Word of God, like a, a surgeon with a scalpel, not a butcher with a cleaver. And this is really important in today's lesson as we look at this matter of this deciphering between dead works built on means of discipline and those works which are produced as a course in our exercising God-given faith. I hope these things um, are, make a difference in your life because they come from the Word of God, not me. Um, just And that you will meditate and you will consider these things carefully. And as you read the Word of God and you meditate and you pray, and you pray like you're meant to pray in a humble, God-desiring manner like a deer panting after the water brook. You're panting after God. And as you get close to Him and you meditate on these scriptures, as you should in all the scriptures, you, that intimacy produces in you God-given desires and then these qualities. You, you just they, they come out naturally. They, you desire them. You set your priorities in order. And, and, and like the Apostle Paul, that you might know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. You see, it's being lost to ourselves, lost in Him, becoming united and intimate with Him. So it's about Him and His glory, and not what we do in our pride. So with that, I'm going to conclude this broadcast, this uh, episode of That They Might Know. Uh, I hope if you have any questions uh, if you're on my website, thejesusyouneedtoknow.org, there's places where you can email me you, uh, and you can either listen to this well, uh, or you can uh, contact me and ask questions or get a hold of me. I would love for you to do that. Other than that, Lord bless you. Have a great day. Have a great life. And may the Lord Jesus Christ reign and rule in your hearts. Uh, Lord bless. Amen. Thank you.